Welcome in everyone to a new episode of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damon here with David and Matt. We got a jam-packed episode. Uh, a couple big-time free agents have have signed. We have a couple big trades that have happened. Uh, before we get to all of this stuff, David, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hope everyone's getting your holiday shopping done. It's uh, it's getting crazy out there. So braving the the crowds and the cold weather, um, but enjoying the, the Christmas lights, Christmas trees, everything. It's, uh, it's nice. And after the winter meetings, all the baseball movement, it's, um, been a little bit of a crazy week between those two things. So, uh, I hope you guys are also getting ready to have a good holiday and, uh, how you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad you mentioned holiday shopping cause I haven't done enough of it yet. And, uh, that's going to be on the docket this weekend, I guess, but, uh, yeah, everything's going good here. The, baseball craziness happening um all the other off-season sports stuff um and i also i want to mention you know i send my condolences to you know uh to the mississippi state uh fans and and people and uh you know with mike leach being in currently in critical condition and it doesn't sound good uh just want to say a uh, quick word on that and just hope hope uh hope they all heal quickly and um you know it sounds like a good situation so i wanted to mention it all right, well, let's go ahead and just jump right into the small stuff. David, we'll go ahead and have you start with these these first three and kind of just wrap it up. We have the Nationals have signed uh, Trevor Williams to a two-year $13 million deal. Um, and then the Pirates made a couple moves signing uh, two pitchers, one being Vince Velasquez for a one, uh, one year at $3.15 million deal, and then uh, relief pitcher Harlan Garcia on a one-year deal that we don't know the, the exact terms on. I want to say Harlan Garcia is on a minor league deal or league minimum, something like that. But um, either way, you know, the Trevor Williams is a, a good name. He was in the Javi Baez trade to the Mets for Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, and he pitched a few, you know, a year and a half there, pitched pretty well, um, finally gets to, to secure some money. And, you know, he'll be one of those guys that the Nats look to flip at the deadline this year. I think he'll probably be one of those good innings eater pitchers. He's pretty solid. He's just like a little bit above average, but he was a really good guy when he was on the Cubs. So uh, I'm glad Trevor, uh, Trevor Williams did get to get paid there. And Vince Velasquez coming off of the Phillies, uh, you know, a bit of a reclamation for the Pirates. They'll look to probably flip him as well. And Harlan Garcia, lefty reliever. He might actually be a little bit dangerous. The Pirates bullpen tends to kind of amp it up in the middle of the season. But, um, you know, like I said, these these are these moves that are just kind of fringe moves, and uh, ultimately don't move the needle much for the Pirates. But uh, will be some names I think we could revisit come July next year. Yeah, real briefly, Yarlan Garcia is a guy that he's one of those guys that could end up being like one of those weird lefties that has a really good season and gets traded for something that's not nothing. Uh, that seem he seems to be a type of guy who could have something like that happen. So uh, that's probably a good move for the Pirates. Yeah, he's had pretty uh, strong four last seasons. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the uh, AL Central. And we had the Cleveland Guardians sign first baseman Josh Bell to a two-year, $33 million deal, which has an opt-out after year one. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and take this one? Yeah, Josh Bell uh, is a guy who he's had a couple of really good seasons uh, in the last three years. Um, you know, he had the breakout 2019 with the Pirates. Um, he The last two years, he's been a pretty solid first baseman. Probably more of a first base slash DH guy. His defense is really, really, really bad at first. But 123 WRC plus in 2022 between Washington and uh, and San Diego. 
Um, you know, a, a 119 WRC plus in 2021 with Washington. Uh, really solid player, good power bat. Uh, his strikeout rates have come down a lot throughout his career. Down, the, you know, he's a he's a good contact hitter. Uh, you know, he and he and he walks a good bit. Good plate discipline guy. I think he'll fit in really well in that lineup. They seem to prioritize that type of thing, and uh, they did need another bat, especially a guy like a first base type. Um, so uh, good for the uh, good for Cleveland on, on getting uh, getting a guy who has a pretty good upside there, and good good for them on spending a little bit of money and, and tr- at least trying to have a a uh, you know a good free agency because that's a team that was in the playoffs and is notorious for spending absolutely nothing. And and I mean sixteen sixteen and a half million AAV is is not nothing. So uh, good for Cleveland on spending a little bit. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the Texas Rangers signing Cy Heaney uh, to a two-year, $25 million deal. Uh, can be up to $37 million with incentives, and he also has an opt-out. Uh, David, why don't you go ahead and take this one? Yeah, so Andrew Heaney's a, a good example of the type of guy that these middling teams are trying to hit high on. Uh, Damien called him Cy Heaney because our joke was once he signed with the Dodgers last year, uh, he would probably explode. He's the kind of guy whose baseball reference page is all red dots all to the right. So this is the kind of guy who could have a very good year for Texas. And it's the kind of move that Texas has to be really aggressive with. I mean, this is a really high annual average value deal um, with a lot of incentives. I mean, $12 million in incentives. And you know, those are Cy Young votes and 20 wins and stuff like that for Heaney. And they want him to come in and start. They want him to come come in and pair up with DeGrom and have nasty stuff. And um, I think bringing over that the Dodgers know-how that he found, because his stuff had ticked up with the Dodgers, he just had gotten injured. If he can stay healthy, this is one of those moves that could very well um, impact that AL West race, which is going to be one of the wild races of the year. Um, what with the Astros and, and Mariners also making moves all offseason so far. Yeah, I want to add one thing on that. The Rangers, after signing DeGrom, they really need to lengthen their rotation now, and that's going to give them length in their rotation, give them some depth. That's really important for them. Yeah, it's it's absolutely going to be important for them uh, in that in that NL West. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the San Francisco Giants. They signed their big-time outfielder that everyone was, was saying they were going to sign this year. Nope. Not that one, but they do sign Mitch Hanniger to a three-year, $43.5 million deal. Yeah, Mitch Hanniger is a guy who has been really good throughout his career in the, in Seattle. Um, he Actually, I didn't even realize he came up with Arizona in 2016 and he got traded to Seattle. Uh, he's been he's been really solid there, uh, really been a mainstay in their lineup throughout their rebuild. Um, was uh, a really good player in 2018, put up almost five war that year and at 137 WRC plus he's had a lot of issues staying healthy, but when he's been healthy, he's been an above average hitter, not a great defensive player. He's going to play in a corner, probably left field. Uh, the giants have had some luck with guys like that. They did really well with Darren Ruff. Uh, you know, they had a, they've had good luck with uh, JD Davis so far after that trade. And then uh, of course, lefties that have done the same thing, like Jock Peterson, Lamont Wade, some guys who, you know, uh, are, are kind of that poor defensive corner outfield platoon ish type. I don't think he's really a, uh, Hanniger's really a platoon bat, but he's a guy who they'll be able to plug in there and, and mix and match a little bit. And uh, he'll do a good job there as long as he stays healthy, but that's going to be the key for him is staying healthy. And I think he'll be a productive player for the giants. It's, it's pretty good signing, not, not, not too expensive for him. So. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting deal for the Giants. Um, you know, obviously they were hoping to sign another big time outfielder, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But uh, the, the key is going to be that they need him to stay healthy, just like like Matt mentioned there. Um, they need a couple more pieces, but Hanniger is really good, really good. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the National League East now where we had the Phillies made a couple more moves on top of their Trey Turner edition. They've signed starting pitcher Taiwan Walker to a four-year, $72 million deal. And then they also signed relief, uh, left-handed relief pitcher Matt Strom to a two-year, $15 million deal. Obviously, the big move here for the Phillies and coming off of that Trey Turner deal that we talked about last week is this Taiwan Walker follow-up uh, where Taiwan can kind of be that third pitcher in behind Nola and Wheeler. Um, and a reminder that Nola will be a free agent next year. So locking down Ty, uh, Taiwan Walker is a, a good move for the Phillies. He's one of prospect pedigree. He's always had a little bit like he's been expected to be a little bit more than he has been. Um, but he has a very nasty splitter, throws in the mid-90s. This is a guy that can give that rotation a good bit of, of balance because you know you've got the filthy curveballs and, and sliders from Nola and Wheeler, but Taiwan Walk- Walker's going to you know, pitch deep into games. He's going to give you 150 innings. He- he's going to be the, uh, you know pretty reliable three four starter. Um, and and what we saw was that this pitching market has had several signings that are really similar in price. This is the middle of those three signings, and you could probably argue that he's probably the second best signing anyway. So. You know, he's he's had the lower ERA over the past few years, but maybe his his like spin rates and stuff haven't been quite as good. Um, But the upside for him has always been there. He's just 30 years old. I I really think that the Phillies have have done a a smart thing here and to lock him down for for four years. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about another signing coming up that's almost exactly the same. And, you know. I think both of them fit these teams really, really well, respectively. And so Walker going to the Phillies in the division rival, going away from the Mets, I think is uh, a big plus for the Phillies. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about Matt Strom, Matt, but it's just a brief note. Yeah, yeah, Matt Strom's a a lefty reliever who, you know, he's going to be like that Andrew Chafin, Justin Wilson type of guy who every couple years is going to put up a really good season, but he's not consistently good. So uh, he's going to help the Phillies potentially this year. I think that's a little bit high on value, you know, two for 15. But at the same time, we've been seeing that for relievers all, all offseason so far. And I want to add one thing on Walker. Um, I, I didn't really like this signing very much. I thought that four for 72 compared to the other guys who were kind of in that same middle tier starting pitching market I thought like that was a major overpay compared to Jamison Tayon compared to Chris Bassett especially and compared to like Kodai Singa I thought that this four for 72 was a little bit too much for Tywin Walker but that's just me I, I think y'all are both a little bit higher on him than I am but I, I don't see him as being better than those guys so he's getting paid more so it's a dep- it depends to me on if you believe in that splitter yeah. um, it's like yeah. a plus 10 run value on baseball reference and so i was when considering these pitchers i was always like man if you can get if you're interested in in kodai singa i don't see why you wouldn't be interested in taiwan walker yeah well let's go ahead and move over to your cubs david they made uh a one singular move that we're going to talk about on this episode and that's they signed uh jameson tyon to a four-year 68 million dollar deal yeah, um, they made two moves actually. They also signed Cody no, Bellinger didn't. to a one-year nope. deal worth uh, seven seventeen million. But um, ah, listen, so I'll, I'll, I'll give my spiel on this because the the Cubs, you'll note, we haven't said they signed anybody else. Um, that's where everyone I think is 
a bit irate right now is that the Cubs have kind of made two moves. They, they indicated they were moving forward with spending and they haven't done anything else. So I think that that's where the ire is, but I want to praise these moves because I think they're both really good. Um, but they also happened on the same night. So it was like, you know, I wish they would have spread them out a little bit and appeased all of uh, Cubs Twitter and everyone, but uh, Jamison Talon, the Cubs think they can get a little more out of him. Um, he's been pitching in Yankee stadium. And before that he pitched for the pirates. So both of those things are not going to help you as a pitcher. Um, and the Cubs love a big curveball, And that's what Jamison Talon has. Um, he's, he's making less money than Taiwan Walker. And you just heard Matt praise him for probably being a better value than Taiwan Walker. Anyway, he's expected to be a reliable starter, and that's exactly what the Cubs need in this rotation. They've got a lot of upside and a lot of really young guys getting a guy like Jamison Talon to come in and kind of, you know, take the mantle every fifth day, lead these guys, you know, show Hayden Wesneski and Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson how to pitch, you know, and he can go in there and, and, and get a little more strikeouts, I think, than Taiwan Walker has in his career and a little more than Chris Bassett probably. So, you know, this is, this is a good move that I really like, you know, as for Cody Bellinger, we talked all about how much upside it is that Cody Bellinger hit the market, a left-handed hitting power hitting center fielder with that much athleticism and that much quality defense for just 12 million is a steal. And if that's, if he just repeats what he did last year, um, if Cody Bellinger comes back to form at all, which he needs to do, it's a it's a contract year for Cody Bellinger, right? He he has to come in and and show he's healthy and play really well, and that's what everybody in Chicago is hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for, and you know he he can go into next offseason earning a huge contract if he comes in and plays well this year. That's certainly what the Cubs are hoping for. It solves their center field question. The outfield is now set. The infield is now where all the question marks lie with the Cubs. So I love these two moves, but the lack of movement elsewhere is what's very concerning for the Cubs and for all Cubs fans right now. And obviously with a couple of shortstops still out there, maybe they can do something. But for now, good moves, good contracts, very excited for next year. But we'll see if they can actually back it up on the the rest of it. Yeah, that was a really good move for the Cubs to get tie on. Um, the other move that you the Cubs didn't make another move. I don't know what you're talking about there. There's that one. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and, and then uh, we'll jump over and uh, we'll, we'll hit on the Yankees. They signed a couple people. We'll start with the, the lower one to begin with, uh, which is them re-signing Tommy Canely uh, to a two-year, $11.5 million deal. Uh, I could probably talk about it a little bit more since he was with the Dodgers um, this last year, but he's a guy who had Tommy John surgery. Uh, he's missed most of the past couple seasons. I think he came back this year and had – I think 12 innings um, looked pretty decent in most of them. Once he got the little the rust off of it, um, you know, his strikeout numbers weren't as high as they've been in his career. He was walking people like normal, um, but overall ground ball pitcher was getting 68% ground balls in LA um, did some high leverage situations there for him. He'll slot right into that back end of that bullpen somewhere. Uh, they have a lot of question marks with injuries on that back end. So he's a guy who could potentially come in and, and get some saves for him, but probably a high leverage leader, um, you know, late in games for them. But the, uh, the big one that the, everyone wants to hear is that the Yankees made the move. They re-signed Aaron judge on a nine year, $360 million deal. Yeah, I guess I can start with this. Um, the Giants wanted him. The Padres came in there and wanted him. 
And Judge, at the end of the day, did decide he wanted to go back to New York, which I'm not surprised at all. I kind of expected it. Uh, but, you know, nine years, $360 million, that's a huge contract. I think we were mostly in like the eight for 320 range-ish on our predictions. So uh, he got one more year than we were kind of expecting, which isn't a, a big surprise. Uh, the AAV is kind of what we were kind of thinking. Um, I mean, Judge had one of the best seasons ever. Uh, this year, uh, 11 wins above replacement, the 62 home runs, breaking the American League record. Just fantastic. I don't think he'll do that again uh, because, I mean, nobody's going to do that again for a while. But uh, he's going to be really good for them, at least for the next few years. He's a guy who – it'll be interesting to see how he ages with his, um, you know, with his size. And he's a very unorthodox player. So uh, is he going to age very well or not? I mean, it's possible by age 34, especially with his injury history. I know he's been healthy the last two years, but he's had an in- injury history. Uh, you know, kind of think where you end up looking at this um, this signing and whether it's good or not is, you know, if he in two or three years, if he if he you know has to go to a DH role or something in two years or three years, or if it's more like six or seven years, because the last couple of years of this deal aren't going to be very valuable. You're kind of buying that with having a premier player for the next three or four years. So, but uh, good for the Yankees on keeping him. I know that it sounded like Steinbrenner stepped in at the last minute and said, we're not losing him. Uh, Cause Cashman was probably going to let him walk. Uh, Cause that's what Cashman does. So, um, but Hey, good for the Yankees on bringing their key player back. And uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. He's basically their whole team in 2022. And I kind of expect that to happen again in 2023. Yes. Judge is, absolutely deserving of that contract to start. Um, that is oh, yeah. one of the best seasons we've seen in, you know, in recent memory since the Barry Bonds days, uh, 200 WRC plus 11 war, like you said. The interesting no- thing to note that came out during the judge negotiations was a report last week regarding the usage of types of baseballs. And the interesting thing to note was that down the stretch, the Yankees were getting a different type of ball than every other team. Um, And whether or not that had anything to do with Judge hitting more home runs, we can't really say. But what we do know is that MLB is changing the balls out for which games are they feel are more important, which down the stretch they want to judge to hit 62. So in theory, they're giving, you know, the judge games the more juiced balls. Um that's pretty that's pretty disappointing to get come out right as Darren Judge is trying to sign a three hundred and sixty million dollar contract. And, you know, obviously it doesn't take anything away from his ability. We watch Aaron Judge play and he's the kind of guy who he doesn't even really need a juiced ball um to hit the ball four hundred and fifty feet. But it's the kind it's like the the press the premise of MLB doing stuff like this to try to drive their narratives and it, it really feels a little bit fishy and I just don't like how that feels and that's just something important that did happen during these Aaron Judge negotiations the other interesting thing that happened well two more did but one of those is a little less important Uh, the other interesting thing that happened was that the Padres deal was going to be for 14 years um, and MLB was not going to allow the deal to go through they were going to strike it back because it was going to be circumventing the CBT negotiation threshold because the Padres weren't expecting to pay judge but they wanted to lower the annual average value against the luxury tax so you know a couple of odd things happening around this Aaron Judge deal but overall great deal Aaron Judge is a superstar and uh, the other interesting thing is that Damian perfectly predicted this contract 
that. I did. I did. Good job. <laughs> yep, there it is. Uh, that's my one little bit of uh, excitement about this whole episode. <laughs> oh, uh, I forgot. I guess we didn't even put it on here. The biggest free agent signing of Jason Hayward. Oh, yep. How did I we for- didn't. How did I forget to put that one on here? The biggest one the Dodgers have uh, made. You know yeah. what? No, it's not Clayton Kershaw, but well, <laughs> almost, yeah, free, almost. Free, free it's the biggest new acquisition. <laughs> uh, this you know, Hayward's going to turn it around and play great for the Dodgers. You know he is. Oh, I listen, know. this 2015 free agency for the Dodgers of Shelby Miller, Jason Hayward, and Clayton Kershaw is electric. Let me tell you. Hey, you could you could get get Dansby Swanson and Shelby Miller, Dansby Swanson will end up on the same team finally. Oh my God, so they Freeman. could. And for, yeah, wow. That's just a pair of Dansby, all right. but alright. We'll we'll move on from my suffering. Actually, not really, because the next one's with the Red Sox <laughs> signing Kenley Jansen. Well, Kenley's been 30, 32 Ken- million dollar deal, but Kenley's been gone for a year for you though, you know. It's surely he's parted, or does it does it still hurt? I, I, I predicted him back to the Dodgers in the free agency. Oh. So. Uh, yeah, but I could I can go ahead and start with Kenley Jansen because he was most recently on my team. But um, but yeah, Kenley Jansen in 2022 was a pretty interest had a pretty interesting season. He was pretty good, but he had some like a stretch. And I think it's kind of been the way it's been. I mean, you can you can probably elaborate on it too, Damian. But it's kind of been the way it's been the last like three or four years. He he goes through a stretch where he loses his mechanics a little bit and just looks awful for like a two week stretch, and then he finds it again and. That kind of happened this year. He had some bad luck on balls in play too this year at times, uh, you know. But he was a uh, he was a pretty solid. Um, he did, he had a pretty solid season, a three thirty eight ERA. Thing about Kinley Jansen is he's going to be thirty five. He's had that heart issue. He hasn't stayed with the most health, and the stuff isn't quite what it was. He's relying a little bit more on some of the you know maybe his sinker and slider a little bit more than he used to, where he could just blow everybody away with his elite cutter. Um, you know, I wasn't too sad to see him leave Atlanta. I mean, it would have been fine if he had been brought back. He was good for the Braves in 2022, but you know, I, I don't, I mean, it, you know, it's hard with the reliever market. Cause if this was any other year before 2022 off season, I would say that this is a terrible contract, but the way the reliever market's been this year, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think two for 32 is pretty risky for the Red Sox who apparently aren't willing to pay right now anybody to yep. pay a reliever $16 million a year when, I mean, you're letting your star player walk for because you can't pay them. I mean, especially a guy like Kenley Jansen who is, seems to be on the decline a little bit at least. Uh, I know the Red Sox need bullpen help bad, but, man, that's, that's a tough I, – I don't, I don't know if I love this signing at all. I love Kenley Jansen, but yeah, I, do I don't love this. I don't love the idea of the Red Sox because, like that thirty-two million, you could have committed to Xander Bogarts, and by all reports, yeah. Xander was waiting for the Red Sox to come over the couple of two hundred million dollar deals he had offered until the Padres missed out on Judge. Then Xander gets the two hundred eighty million dollar deal, and he of course jumps on that. Like I completely understand Xander's point of view here. Completely understand Kenley take the deal, right? That's a that's a pretty big bag for a thirty five year old. But you know, yeah, you you're, you bring up a good point there. Red Sox also signed uh, Masataka Yoshida for a five year ninety million dollar deal, and I believe he's thirty years old, if I'm not mistaken. And I I was 
the biggest comparison I can make to this is the Cubs. Okay, yeah. The Cubs signed Seiya Suzuki at 27 for a five-year $75 million deal last offseason. So this the yeah. Red Sox are throwing money around, but they didn't throw it at Xander. Yeah, and, and you say that, that that signing of Seiya Suzuki, I mean, I think that was considered – I think Seiya Suzuki was considered the better prospect coming yeah. over. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of hype around him and, and Yoshida. I know there's people him? who like him, but uh, I don't think there's all that there much hype around Yoshida. So um, definitely interesting to see what, what happens here. I mean, I, I don't know if um, – I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to think about that one. So, No, neither did uh, rival GMs because a lot of them – there was a story where anonymous rival GMs were coming out and saying mm-hmm. that they weren't even paying or bidding half of what he got from the Red Sox on him. Yeah, like, like they they thought he'd be fine if he was for you know thirty or forty million on a five year deal, not ninety million. Yeah, can you say Rosny Castillo? Oh man, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be quite that bad, but I I didn't want to speak totally to that. But that's what I saw. I just I don't believe in this deal at all, right? I wasn't even that. I was a little bit skeptical of Seiya, who has come over and proven that I think he's got another gear in him after the numbers from this year. And I think that's one of those things the Cubs are really excited about. I don't know that how how quickly is this guy going to be able to adjust when we saw Seiya, who was a better player at a younger age, struggle in his first year. He he was good, but he wasn't great. The Red Sox need great now. In order to be able to, you know, fix, you know, not lose the Xander production, and I don't know that this is going to do it. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and, and you know stay with this Cubs theme that we've kind of had, David, right here, and uh, that's with the St. Louis Cardinals signing catcher Wilson Contreras to a five-year, eighty-seven and a half million dollar deal. Good for Wilson Contreras, man. I he he got shafted at the deadline i think because he got attached to that qualifying offer because the cubs didn't trade him what came out later was that the cubs had a deal in place with the astros and wilson would have been a uh, world series champ had he been on the astros so kind of tough for him there but 87 million dollars will help that out um division rival he's already playing up the, the crowd for the cardinals but i worry about his, I've always worried about his ability to catch. He's just, he's not a good blocker. He's, by all accounts, he's not a great game caller. Um, he's very aggressive with the throws, which he gets from having watched Jadier Molina and some of those other guys with really big arms. He tries to emulate that, and oftentimes it works, but it does get him in trouble. He's also very, very bad on the base pads, over aggressive, gets a lot of thrown out on base pads. Um, and I've watched him for ever, ever since he came up. He came up in 2016. He's a World Series champion. I I love the guy, but I don't lament this loss as much as a lot of Cubs fans just because he does a lot. He's very, very passionate in the way he plays the game, but that often leads him into getting into mistakes. Um, and I, that may come from having played his whole career with Javi Baez until last year, you know, but, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to supplement that Cardinals lineup. It makes them very difficult to catch in the central. Um, he can play DH, so they don't always need to play him at catcher. He's going to age probably out of catcher after a few years. Uh, you know, this is a this is a Wilson Contreras friendly deal, I think, and hopefully he doesn't wear out his welcome in St. Louis because they do not like flashy, loud players there very much. Yeah, I can uh, you know, on Contreras. He, it's interesting, you know, he's been kind of talked about like a star player for his entire career, and. 
honestly, like his best season, this was his career year in, in wins above replacement at 3.3. He's been a really good hitter, but but like David mentioned, the catching and the base running is so bad. I mean, it, it would be one thing if he was just not a, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. have speed as a catcher, but I mean, the base running is absolutely atrociously bad. Like it drops his value more. Um, he's a good, he's a good player. Uh, two to three WAR per year, I think, is an expectation for him and, and a solid one. If he has the DH, I don't know if the bat is quite good enough to be worth his contract. If he's going to DH, he's going to put up a 110 to 120 WRC plus most years. Probably, you might get a 130 year out of him like you did in 2022, which would be really, really good. Um, but you know, it, I think with the Cardinals, you know, maybe they feel like they can work on him with him on some uh, some of the framing and game calling stuff. Maybe improve him a little bit. Um, you know, they've had a history of having veteran catchers there. Obviously, with Yadier Molina all these years, uh, maybe they feel like they can use some of the knowledge they've gotten through 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 that experience by and, and apply it to, to Contreras a little bit. Uh, he's a good, like I say, he's a good player, um, but. You know, and, and I think it, this, this is probably the market value for him. I, I think it's a fine contract. I think part of it, the value on it, just depends on is he going to stay at catcher? How long is he going to stay at catcher? And can he work on that defense a little bit? Because like like you mentioned, I mean, he's got the arm, and I think he's got the athletic tools to be really good behind the plate. He just doesn't have the the details. He doesn't he doesn't do the details well. And if he can kind of get in his veteran time get to where he does the details a little bit better. He could be a pretty good value on that contract. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. This just screams Cardinals magic, like yeah, Cardinals really, double magic really all does. over it. For w- but, and for what it's worth, Matt Wilson's more of a star at catcher as opposed to just in the league in general. Yeah. He's, he's well right. above catcher average, you know, so yeah, it says that makes him a, a yeah. solid catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and, and transition over to the the Matt's portion of the episode with the Braves making a couple moves. Uh, but we had their first uh, trade being that they acquired Joe Jimenez and Cash from the Detroit Tigers for outfielder Justin Henry Malloy and left-handed pitcher Jake Higginbotham. Yeah, the, I'll be very brief on this first trade. Uh, but Joe Jimenez is a guy who has some really good metrics um, got a high spin rate fastball, a really good breaking ball, um, and he put up a really good season in 2022. Had a two FIP, a 270 X FIP in 56 innings. The ERA was a 3.49. Part of that might be playing in front of the Tigers' defense, which is really bad. But uh, you know, a 290 expected ERA is, is solid. So I think it's uh, he's a pretty good reliever. He'll slot into a setup role type thing, maybe like a seventh or eight, a seventh inning guy, probably uh, as, as Rizal Iglesias takes over as the closer this year. Uh, I thought this was a really weird trade because I know there's some mixed opinions on Justin Henry Malloy, who is the main main. Uh, return and the Braves farm system's really bad but Justin Henry Malloy was actually the best uh or the by, by most metric by most publications the highest rated prospect on as a position player in the Braves system there's some really young guys that are coming up that have been international signings that are rated higher by some like fan graphs but but Justin Henry Malloy had a really good year in 2022 and he was close to the he's close to the big leagues and he's a good on base guy so uh, he is just a corner outfield type, but it's really – it is a, a, a real prospect to give up for a guy who – before this year, I mean, Joe Jimenez has never been a good reliever until this year. So it'll be interesting to see if the Braves maybe saw something in him and are able to figure something out with him. But that was – I thought this was a kind of bizarre trade from the Braves. I didn't really understand it too well. It just yeah, seems like a depth, a depth piece. 
Yeah. Jimenez is the Jimenez is the kind of guy who explodes in the right system, and the Braves it's, are yeah. very good about getting the best out of their relievers. So I think Jimenez is a a lock to be one of those guys that really goes nuts next year. It's very possible. Absolutely. And given the price of relief pitching, I mean, yeah. giving up a medium prospect isn't really that big of a deal when Jimenez probably costs what fifty million on the market if he was to sign this year. You know. I don't think he'd cost that much. He's a career like, five twenty four ERA. Three three well, he's the kind of guy you're going for upsides. Three three years, yeah. fifteen million a year, you know what I mean? Like it could be. Oh, I, something thought like said, that. I thought anyway. you said I thought you said no, not, fifty. No, I was fi- like, like oh three my years God. three years, forty five million total, something like that. You know? uh, yeah, forty five yeah. to fifty overall. Uh, yeah. yeah like a total deal, not like one year. Jesus. Yeah. Yep, give Joe Jimenez um, more than Aaron Judge. <laughs> no, uh, still, I mean, $50, 50 million dollars. If he signed a three-year, fifty million dollar deal uh, with his track record, that would be an absolutely ridiculous contract, and whoever signed it should be fired. Well, but, can <laughs> Robert, I give Robert you a Suarez? Robert Suarez <laughs> did not sign a three-year, fifty million dollar deal. Thirty something. I don't remember. Right, move on, move on. Something. I think it's four years too. Listen, if there's a team that I can give you who is making notorious not smart moves here. Well, we're about to, we're about to talk about that, it, aren't we? That, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's time. We'll transition to the next trade, which also involves the Braves, the Brewers, and the A's. Um, so right before the winter meetings, we mentioned it on last week's episode that Sean Murphy's market was heating up and he was close to getting traded. We didn't know where. And then they said the Braves were going to be a spot. And then 20 minutes later, Came out, nope, the Braves are not going to be the spot. Well, the trade happened today, and the Braves were the spot. So the Braves actually acquired Sean Murphy, while the Milwaukee Brewers acquired William Contreras, Justin Yeager, and Joel Payampas. Sorry if I butcher these names. Some of these are really weird. Uh, And then the A's are Payamps. There you go. The A's acquire Kyle Muller, uh, Yestru Rees, Freddie Tarnock, Roiber Salinas, and Manny Pena. I hate the A's. I'm, <laughs> dude, this, this trade is bonkers, man. Yeah, it the, is. The, here's, and here's the thing, right, is we saw that Sean Murphy was getting an ask of Lars Newtbar and Brendan Donovan and a good pitching prospect from the Cardinals, right? Two mm-hmm. solid major leaguers that were up there in Rookie of the Year voting, um, you know, and that was going to be an impactful trade for the Cardinals, but they went the route of just signing Wilson Contreras, this trade is is like a quarter of that value to the A's, if that. It is horrible for the A's. They do not get a single top 100 prospect. They give up the the lone all-star that they got in the trade to the Brewers for Yesteri Ruiz, who is a speed-first utility player. I'd like Yesteri Ruiz. I might even be the high guy on Yesteri Ruiz. But come on. William Contreras just made the all-star team this year. As a catcher, he just and you just gave him to the Brewers, and they gave away another All Star catcher to the freaking Braves. <laughs> Let's just put this: the, the this trade, the A's traded the best player, and I don't think they got the top three best players back. Maybe like they got the third best player. I think it's Mueller, the third but best like, player. It's it, yeah. Oh my god. But, so, yeah. So here, give us Kyle Muller. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was gonna say, right, go I, can, ahead. I can elaborate on on all the pieces of this trade from the Braves. So, so in my opinion, in this trade, the the Braves, if the Braves and the in the A's made this trade straight up without the Brewers being involved, 
you know, then obviously there's no history. Ruiz and, there, and William Contreras would be an A. That would make a lot of sense. This trade was actually pretty even for the Braves. You got all-star catcher Sean Murphy. You gave up a lot of quantity. Kyle Muller is actually pretty good. I think that he's gotten a bad he, – he's not – he's kind of forgotten about a little bit because of the fact that he's been in that upper minors and kind of – bottom you know he's kind of been in the mlb mix for a couple years now but last year he started making some strides at triple a he was extremely good until like three quarters of the way through the season when he broke his hand and he tried to pitch through it and it was bothering him and he wasn't quite as good at the very end of the season but he he put up fantastic numbers in triple a and in the big leagues he he looked pretty good he only pitched 12 innings he had one really bad in outing in the big leagues but other than that one outing, his other two outings were pretty good. So this is a guy who – he's a real prospect. I mean he's really a pro- – I, I think that – honestly, I think he probably should be a top 100, back into the top 100. His uh, There's some people with mixed opinions on his fastball and whether it's got the shape for it or not, which that's a good question. But uh, but so so Kyle Muller's a, a legitimate – like I think he'll probably be a three or four starter in the big leagues for a long time. So you got him. You've got Freddie Tarnock, who's kind of a high upside upper minors guy who is maybe one of those like late could end up being like a late bloomer type. Um, so and then and then, of course, the big pieces, though, uh, are going to be or Roy Bersalinas also is a guy who is he had a lot of strikeouts in the low minors. But I think he's more of like a potential reliever one day. He's not much. Manny Pena is a good backup catcher. Um but, you know, the big pieces in this were Sean Murphy and William Contreras, uh, you know, other than Kyle Muller. Sean Murphy, uh, all-star catcher, or should be an all He wasn't an all-star, I don't think, but he should have been. He put up five war this year, uh, gold glove defender, 122 WRC+. Plus. He's Three of his four big league seasons, he's been over 120 WRC+, plus as an elite defensive catcher. He, he if, if he can continue doing what he's done so far, he is a top five catcher in baseball easily. Um, he's very, very, very good. He's also pretty athletic. His base running metrics are not that bad either for a catcher, which is solid. Um, so he, he's really good. Um, you know, it's kind of weird with the Braves cause, cause they have Travis Darno. I think they'll probably split time a lot to keep them both fresh and Travis Darno will probably be moving on after this year. So it makes sense. Uh, Sean Murphy's under control for three seasons. William Contreras is a guy who, you know, he's a, he's a good hitter. Um, he obviously made the all-star team this year, although he was a he's a replacement for Bryce Harper in the all-star game. Put up a 138 WRC+. plus. He's a good hitter. I don't know if he's as good as he put up. I think this might be his career year, honestly, as a hitter. Uh, the approach is kind of weird. He seems really predetermined with his swings. Sometimes he'll go up there just hacking away and just at nothing, and he'll look like Javi Baez. And then half the time, he'll look like the most patient hitter in the history of baseball at the plate and just... So it's kind of weird, uh, but the big thing with him is defensively, the Braves have been really worried about him being a good defender and developing that part of his game. He was really poor behind the plate this year, and he has been in his, his young major league career so far. And I think that's probably what you're seeing this this move being is the Braves believe he's a DH, and if he's a DH, he's probably going to put up a 120-ish WRC plus on a consistent basis. He's probably more of like a decent piece, but he's very young and he could, he's got a great arm. He could develop into a good catcher. Honestly, in a lot of ways, he's a little bit like his brother. 
uh, yeah. which is kind of kind of crazy. He's very very yep. similar to his brother. I don't think he's got quite the same kind of upside as his brother at the plate. I think he's more of like a one ten WRC plus guy most of the time. But he he's he's a very good. I think he's a very solid piece. Uh, he's nothing like what Sean Murphy is. Um, so the biggest weirdest part about this trade and the other pieces in the trade weren't weren't much in the Braves. A's part, so that that part was pretty even. Why in the world the Bra- the A's flipped William Contreras to the Brewers for Isturi Ruiz? I'll never understand that. I, I really don't understand that one. Maybe y'all can explain it. I, that that made absolutely zero sense to me. I have a theory on it. I don't know if you have anything else, Damien, but the theory I saw was that Estuary Ruiz may have a ex- exceeded value due to the new rules. My counter to that would be that he's been playing under the new rules in the minors and stole 50 bases a year, and he was a good hitter in the minors, (laughs) and when he came up to the majors, he was a terrible hitter this last year. So I just – I don't see it. I don't see the vision. I think he's a perfectly fine utility guy. He might might be a 100 WRC plus guy with some good stolen bases. Like, this is – even if William Contreras is a DH only. Right, you're trading a DH who just had a 130 WRC plus with the ability to go play catcher every now and again for a utility guy, and, and William Contreras' upside is so much higher than that. Right, like th- this just well, is a it's a disaster of a trade, and it's a disaster of a trade for any of those teams with bigger prospects or bigger major league pieces or guys that are maybe a little more reliable than Kyle Muller at the the starting pitching slot. Like the and and I I do want to bring it to the Cubs, but like there's other teams involved as well that could have made a trade that beat this. The fact that this is the trade blows my mind, and it should blow every baseball fan's mind. Like how did how was this the trade for Sean Murphy? Because the talent here is not high upside. It's not top 100. It's not superstars. It's maybes and possiblys. And what if the rules are different and stuff like that? Say I will say that the. The trade between the Braves and the A's was pretty. I think it was pretty because I mean, at the end of the day, the Braves traded a guy who. I mean, Kyle Muller is a fringe top one hundred guy. He's not a yeah. like two. He's a fringe top one hundred. Uh, he is. There's a few. There's, he's been a top one hundred before. He's a fringe top one hundred, and then A's. I don't think he is a top one hundred, but he's like a top one twenty. And then you've got a, an, a catcher who made the All Star game this year. I mean, so like. That, and then a couple other pieces. I mean, Freddie Tarnock, uh, he's got some upside to him, too. I mean, it, these other pieces you, involved, too. That trade, I mean, all-star catcher William Contreras, and a, a who's very young and controllable, and a couple of good prospects. Not, not good, but not great prospects for Sean Murphy is pretty fair, I think. It's that whole – it's the flipping William Contreras for Estuary Ruiz. And, and honestly, to be honest, I think that – I think this trade is such an outlier on the value the A's got that the, I, don't, I don't think it's going to set anything in the market. Uh, I think it's just an outlier. Teams are going to look at it and be like, what in the world is going on? Like they're not even going to look at it as a potential like precedent for something else. So I hope they don't. Yeah, I really don't think they will. <laughs> I hope they don't, because this is an awful trade for the A's. I don't care how yeah. you're trying to. Try oh to no, I, I, I'm not glasses. saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's a good trade for the A's. I'm saying it's a horrible <laughs> trade for the A's. I'm saying that the way the Braves and A's lined up was fine. The fact that the A's got rid of the top piece in the trade that they got back for nothing is not good. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's I mean, horrible for them. It, it's it's not good value. I don't care even how how you translate. Yeah. Esther Ruiz must be the most valuable player of all time because he was a key part in getting the Josh Hader deal done yeah. from San Diego to Milwaukee, and now all of a sudden yeah. he's been flipped for there, William Contreras there, to that point. But be, there's got to be something with him that teams are seeing that nobody else is seeing. Because like you like you say, his, I mean. There's something with him that teams that that we're not seeing. And his I don't know Fangraphs page, his Fangraphs page in the minors, his stats in the minors are incredible. They're absolutely incredible. He has not translated that to the majors whatsoever, and and we have no idea if he will. It's yeah. it's a massive lottery ticket. That's not a lottery ticket you trade an all star catcher for. Even if yeah. you were going to split time with Langoliers and William Contreras, like it's not. Even if Manny Pena and the prospects stressed Uriuiz, that made some sense. That would have made sense. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I'll I'll keep it brief because I know we've went really long on here. But I I'm probably the guy who's the highest on Sean Murphy here. Like I love Sean Murphy and what he's going to do in Atlanta is just rake. Like he he's a gold he's glove defender really as well. But just looking at his twenty twenty two stats, home and away. Oh, at home he's a two twenty seven hitter and away he was a two seventy one hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like and if Murphy's you go to his go career, if you go to his career numbers, he's two thirteen away or at home and two fifty six on the road. He has in away at away games, he has twelve more homers in his career. He's gonna be very similar in value to JT Real Muto, in my opinion. He he's gonna be mm-hmm. you're gonna see him jump into that upper echelon with JT Real Muto, with Will already- Smith. He's already with there. That. He's already, yeah, well, I'm he's talking already about, there. I'm talking yeah. about offensively. Like you're going to yeah. see him offense. He he's there because mostly his defense, right? Those other two are more offensive. Maybe put up a one twenty two WRC plus this year. So in Oakland, in Oakland. and you know yeah. the Braves, the, when, the Braves are about to extend him too. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Well, they're three years. Who knows? Ten, ten years. Well, I mean, ten years. Twenty million dollars. Yeah, right. the Braves are about the to press, extend him too. Press, it's going to happen. Press, the press release is coming. Mm-hmm. No, I saw something that said that the Braves extended Sean Murphy for six years and that he's going to pay them. Gosh. You know, while we're on the, the, uh, the crapping on the Oakland A's portion, they did sign a couple free agents uh, that we do need to mention that they signed a Ledmus Diaz for a two year, $14.5 million deal. And then they also signed Jace Peterson to a two year, $9.5 million deal. Yeah, I can. Mentioned Jace Peterson real quick. He's a good utility guy, former Brave. Uh, always had some pretty good on base skills. Like used to call him Jace on base, and uh, I like him. So I guess that one's a fine signing, even though it doesn't make sense for the A's to dump their entire payroll on him, even though it's just four million dollars a year, four and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and transition. David kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Red Sox, but. You know, the second biggest move of the winter meetings probably is that the San Diego Padres signed Xander Bogarts to an 11 year, $280 million deal. So this trade, this deal is wild um, because the twists and turns there were crazy. And I think we lost Matt. So we'll get him back, hopefully. But um, the twists and turns on the Xander Bogarts deal were absolutely insane. Originally, he was expected to go to the Red Sox. All the momentum was to the Red Sox. This was after we had heard a number of other teams getting involved. Cubs were involved. A couple Giants were involved. You know, we, we heard the Padres were involved. He wanted to go to the Red Sox. It was pretty clear from the way the reports were circulating that the momentum was with the Red Sox. 
And then the bomb drops from Passan that he got gets eleven years, two hundred seventy five million. He was projected at or just under two hundred million. I think everyone was kind of thinking six for one eighty. I think that's what I projected. Uh, seven for two ten maybe was going to be his like ceiling, right? That would be the kind of coming over the top to get him. Uh, Red Sox were at six for one sixty. So whatever the Red Sox were seeing. The Padres overbid them by $120 million to go get Xander Bogarts. And I love Xander Bogarts. He was maybe my top choice for the Cubs. But, like, this is mind-blowing in terms of the amount of spending here. Uh, Bogarts getting $11 million at age 31 is – or 11 years at age 31 is also rather astounding because, I mean, he's obviously not going to play the last two or three years of that deal. That's going to be dead money on the Padres' books. So, you know – this is just uh, them trying to shore up that infield. Uh, they'll probably move Fernando Tatis Jr. to the outfield. This team's going to be an absolute juggernaut for at least the next two years while Juan Soto's there. Yeah, this deal is its something for sure. Like It's head-scratching, and then it makes all the sense in the, in the world at the, at the same time. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll add in there. This deal... I'm 100% with what you just said, Damien. It's head-scratching, but it makes so much sense. But you know what? Xander Bogarts is a very similar pl- – people – well, most people won't hate him. He's very similar to Derek Jeter. Like, he's not wow, a great defensive player. Only the Red Sox fans. <laughs> offensively, Derek Jeter, career WRC plus, 119. Xander Bogarts, career WRC plus, 118. They're, yeah. and, and they're both very mad defenders at shortstop. I mean, Xander Bogarts is an extremely good player, and people don't give him the kind of credit just because he hasn't put up like one year where he's like a f- crazy MVP candidate. But he's consistent year after year, like a very, very, very good player. Outside of 2020, which was you know the uh, you know the shortened year, his worst uh, WAR in his career is 3.1 in 2017. Other than that, he's, he's put up four WAR every season four or more every season except for you know since his first two years so like he he is an extremely good player but the thing is i mean you're going to be paying him until he's 40 and you know he's probably not going to stick on shortstop even though this was his best year at shortstop in his career defensively mm-hmm. um i don't think he'll stick there the rest of his career i think he'll be two or three more years and then he'll move to I'm not sure if he'll move to second or third, probably third if I had to guess, but um, yeah, Manny should be a, opting out next year. Yeah. It, yeah. That makes a lot of sense then because if Manny opts out mm-hmm. next year, he might move sooner rather than later. Uh, but it sounds like they're worried about Tatis playing the infield and they don't even know where, what Tatis is going to end up. Like, I mean, yeah, nobody, that's just a question mark at this point. So uh, the one, the one worry with Bogarts is his power numbers were down a little bit this year. Uh, that's a little bit worrisome, but not extremely worrisome because, I mean, everyone's power numbers were down just a little bit. Uh, so, but we'll see what happens with with him. I think that he, for the next two or three years, is a fantastic signing. I don't know yep. long term how it's going to work out, but this guy is really good, and I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves around baseball for being an elite shortstop. Yeah, he's really good. Did you guys hear the story about him at the basketball game the night that he signed? No, no. So he was at the, uh, I think it was the Boston Celtics versus the Suns. And he like at halftime, he got up and he went and called, I think it's Boris was his agent and said like, what's the Red Sox doing? Like, what's, what are they looking at? And Boris told him like, this is what they're at. And this like with their final point. And he's like, really, that's it. Like, that's all they're going to give me. 
And he's like, yeah, that's where they're at. So these are other, other offers. And he said, okay. And then he went back to the game and in the fourth quarter, he was walking out and he took a picture with some young fan and the young fan was like a Boston fan. He's like, Oh, can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? He's like, yeah, sure. He's like, so are you resigning with Boston? Are you coming back? And Xander said, no. And turned around and walked out. And then like 30 minutes later, it broke that he signed with the Padres. Jeez. <laughs> that was hilarious. I heard that story. Uh, so funny. But, um, you know, as a fan of a team in the same division as the Padres, I hate this move. Like, yep. it, it makes them so good. Like, you know, getting Xander, you're going to get Tatis back. I mean, and basically, they basically just replaced, um, you know, Eric Hosmer slash Josh Bell with Xander Bogarts and then Will Myers with Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, when he comes back, that's pretty much what they did from last season. And they were the team that bounced the Dodgers out of the playoffs. And LA has done nothing this offseason to improve while. San Diego has been in on Trey Turner. They made a run at Aaron Judge, and now they just signed Xander Bogarts, who was also a target of the Dodgers, supposedly. It's wild. Like, it, it, it is wild. Same but uh, Act like a big market team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams that are big market oh, teams, boy. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Steve Cohen just doesn't give a crap about the luxury tax portion of the episode. And that's with the the New York Mets. We'll just list out all the moves, and we can just kind of talk about them together. Uh, the Mets signed Jose Quintana to a two-year, $26 million deal. They re-signed Brandon Nimmo on an eight-year, $162 million deal. They signed David Robertson to a one-year, $10 million deal. And then they also signed the star international uh, starting pitcher, free agent Kodai Senga, to a five-year, $75 million deal. You know what's interesting about the Mets this offseason? I think they made all these moves to get back to where they were last year because they replaced DeGrom with Verlander. They replaced uh, Tywin Walker with Jose Quintana, they re- which is similar value. They replaced Co- uh, Chris Bassett with Cody Singa, probably about a similar value. They replaced uh, you know, Adam Adovino with David Robertson, probably a similar player. And then they replaced Brandon Nimmo with, well, Brandon Nimmo. So, and Edwin Diaz with, and Edwin Diaz. Diaz with Edwin Diaz. So it's really interesting to me that they've made all these moves and they're kind of back to where they were last year. Maybe not, I mean, depending on what you think of Verlander going forward versus DeGrom, maybe not quite back to what they were last year. I mean, I'm, they're probably not done because they're the, because they have Steve Cohen, but I thought that was interesting. But I absolutely love the Quintana signing. I thought that, that was, it took a lot of discipline. I put him on a similar, um, I put him on a similar type of, um, market is like a Jamison Tyon or uh, <laughs> or Tywin Walker. Um, maybe nah. I probably wouldn't have given him quite as much because of the age, but I mean, he's also, like, he's coming off a really good season, too. So, uh, two for 26, I think, is a fantastic value. I would have given him three for 40, at least. Uh, probably three for 50. And um, then you look at, um, you know, uh, Brandon Nemo. I think that's probably a little bit of an overpay, but I mean, he's a good player. I mean, you're going to be paying a lot of money for good players, and Steve Cohen doesn't care. So, uh, twenty million. I don't know if Brandon Nemo is a twenty million dollar player. His game is really tied up in his plate discipline, which is good. But he, he hits for like no power, and he's a good player though. And then, uh, I mean, David Robertson. I mean, one for ten is fine. He's a veteran reliever coming off a pretty good season. I doubt he does the same he did last year, but he's there's a chance he does, and that's not really a 
risky thing. And then Good Eye Singa is interesting. That's a fairly risky signing, but honestly, $15 million a year for a guy with his profile coming out of Japan is not bad, even though he is a little bit older for, for one of those pitchers coming over. Yeah, rumor has it that Kodai Singa signed with the Mets over better offers because he wanted to play for a team that was going to win. Um, I do think that you're probably right in that the Mets kind of are doing all this to get back to where they were. Uh, but I also do not think Jose Quintana is remotely close to Talion Walker Singa. He's he overperformed as a contact a soft contact guy last year and had been horrible the two or three years before that. I, you know, he's, he's been good before, but yeah, I've watched the guy pitch. He has spurts where he's good. And then he has spurts where he's terrible. And then he wound up pitching in front of the, the Cardinals defense last year, which was one of the best defenses in baseball. So, you know, he'll, he'll be okay for the Mets, but he's not going to be anything close to what Taiwan Walker or Senga are. And that contract looks perfectly reasonable, but it is a replacement deal for, you know, some of those guys who left their rotation. Um, Brandon Nimmo's the big one, I think, in this, in, in terms of contract. And I think this is a monster overpay for what Brandon Nimmo was bringing because Brandon Nimmo's played more than 100 games, I want to say, one time. I'm going to double check that very Price. quickly. Yeah, two, I think it's two times. Yeah. So, and and that, you know, even then, he's he only played 150 games once, which was last year. So this guy is very, very unreliable in terms of, injuries and you're also paying Starling Marte who missed time last year to be in the outfield and you know Steve Cohen just doesn't care about the luxury tax man he's gone up over 400 million for the luxury tax this is how baseball owners should be operating to be clear but at some point right he's going to pay for he'll pay the price for having a bunch of overpriced old guys playing on his team and that's the the beauty of of going nuts on the free agent market is that it's going to come back and bite him at some point, but might not be next year. The Mets may be really good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things like I was talking about earlier. I've said it just about every episode we've talked about the Mets. Steve Cohen runs the team like a, like a fan runs the team. And Brandon Nemo for eight years, 162, just to, to keep him there, that's that's how a fan would run the team, bringing back a, a, one of your own players, even if it doesn't make a ton of sense. So, I mean, I like Brandon Nemo. I think he's a good player, but I mean – and you're going to pay a price for bringing a good player back and he helps them. He's good. But that's kind of one of those things that I'm talking about where it's just like, he is running this like a fan rather than, you know, making smart decisions for next year and the future. I mean, so we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's good for next year. I think, I think yeah, the 2023 no Mets are player. going to be a world series favorite. They're going to be a popular pick. Um, and I think they're going to have every opportunity to win it. They need to stop metsing, obviously, but they've done a marvelous job of assembling a roster, man. It's a, it's a competitive roster. It's drawing in free agents for less money than other rosters that are giving him more, giving them players more money. So, you know, this year, yes, right. If they win the World Series, it's all worth it. Every year of, of financial misery or all those luxury taxes Steve Cohen's willing to pay, that's all that matters. What's important is that the Mets are trying to win and they're showing other owners how it should be done. Same for the Padres, really. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and transition over to the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, where they've made a couple free agent signings. Uh, they did sign Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, but we, I haven't been able to find anything on the terms of that deal that happened on Saturday and nothing has still been reported. Um, but they also signed uh, starting pitcher, Chris Bassett, 
for three years, $63 million. Yeah, I guess I could start. I like Chris Bassett still. I thought that was pretty close to the market value on him. He's a good pitcher. I mean, I'd definitely put him in the – I probably would have signed him for the – definitely – I probably would have given him a fourth year maybe. But he's – I thought he could – or I say that. He probably could have gotten a fourth year. Uh, I think he probably should have gotten a little bit more than what you know, Walker got, but he probably wanted the higher AAV with one fewer year for whatever reason. So uh, he's a good, um, you know, he's a he's a good pitcher. Uh, I think he helps the Blue Jays a lot. They need some depth in their rotation. They had two really really good ones at the top last year, then the depth kind of fell off, especially as bad as Barrios was last year. If he can't come back to being good, then you know you need somebody to to bring that production. And then uh, I mean Kevin Kiermaier is the good defensive center fielder. They need some defense in the outfield. Uh, they can throw uh, probably throw uh, you know George Springer to the corner where you know they sent uh, they sent off uh, Tasker Hernandez earlier in the offseason to, to Seattle. So putting Springer in a corner and then having a really good defensive center fielder, you know, it's probably a good thing for the Blue Jays. So uh, I like both of these signings just fine for them. Chris Bassett's a good contact managing pitcher, but he's also, um, you know, just a, a good arm in terms of reliability thus far. Uh, he came attached with that draft pick compensation, which made it a tougher signing for yeah. some of these lower teams that were looking to jump up rather than, um, you know, the Blue Jays, who are a competitive team and they don't really care about that draft pick right now. They're looking to win. Bassett's going to be throwing in front of Matt Chapman. So, you know, you, now you, and now you got Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. I think the defense there is going to be solid. Um, you know, S. Santiago Espinal is a really good defender as well. And then you'll have Whit Merrifield springing, you know, sprinkling in at second base and in the corner outfield spots. Uh, Bo Bichette's at short. He's not a really good defender there. I mean, Vlad Jr. is going to be good. He's throwing to good catchers. I, I like this move for Bassett. I think I like this move better than I would have liked him. You know, in some of these other situations that were rumored for Chris Bassett, Kiermaier is aging, and I was not confident at all. It's been a long time since he's played a full season. He, he's He's got to play part-time, I think, for them, but at least George Springer can be out of center field some, and I think that's what their goal was here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one little nugget that I found, and I sent it to David before oh, the uh, before the episodes, yeah, is that this is the fourth consecutive offseason that the Blue Jays has have spent at least $20 million per year on a multi-year free agent. Wow. That's how you do it. Hinjin Ryu, George Springer, Kevin Gossman, and Chris Bassett. They are they are acting like a large market team. Yep. I mean, in Toronto, obviously, they, they should be. Yep. Um, but, it, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, a team of the Blue Jays weren't notorious for spending a lot of money um, you know, come in on the past four off seasons and have spent big. Um, yeah, so. I think I was gonna say I think it's interesting that they've spent in the way that they have because they haven't really. I guess Springer might have been the the large ticket free agent that year, but yeah, um, the, you know, was that with the year with Garrett Cole? I, I don't know. But yeah, he wasn't the largest ticket available. Yeah, but. I was gonna say like they they seem to be he's the largest outfielder available. Right. Yes. so they seem to be spending on. The upper middle tier free agent. They, they haven't gone out and got the superstar like going out signing one of the big shortstops or, or Judge this year, or you know last year one of the big shortstops, or or when the Bryce Harper was a free agent or whatever, or Garrett Cole. Like they're they've gone out, they signed the bigger of the mid tier free agent, the biggest of the mid tier free agents. It's interesting because you know you see a lot of these teams that are spending big go out and sign the big free agent. Like and, and they've kind of spent a decent amount every year, and so it's kind of interesting to see how they built their team. But they're doing a good job, obviously. They've got a really good roster, so you'll know. Go ahead, Daniel. 
I was going to say one thing that I might find, or I think it's true. Maybe you guys can fact check me here is that each one of those free agents that I just mentioned were qualifying offer guys. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. So the four off four straight off seasons, they've surrendered a draft pick to sign somebody to a 20 plus. They don't care about their draft picks. Apparently. Yeah. When, when window is now, uh, the other thing is that you'll note that they've been rather precise. I think with their, their free agent offers reused, maybe the only miss right now. Um, which tells me that, you know, spending for adding a good player, right, in your in your area of need, where for the Blue Jays it was the rotation, then it was center field, rotation again, now it's rotation again, right, because they've consistently been let down by their rotation a little bit, so they're continuing to spend money on an area of need at the top end of the market. That is a, it seems like that is a good strategy to employ, and they're not getting too greedy, they're not messing it, where they're going over the top and hamstringing themselves down the road, you know, Ryu's going to come off the books here pretty soon. It, it's not a deal that killed them, right? They competed through a bad signing of Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, the Blue Jays are kind of a mold of, look, a mold of you know, Jed Hoyer's spend intelligently, right? They're doing that, but they're they're spending intelligently at the top of the market. And that's what's, that's an exemplary move, right? They're doing a good job and they've developed good talent. I, I'd like to see him extend Boba Shett or Vlad Jr. or one of those guys to kind of keep things rolling, but I mean, next year you could see him get like Rafi Devers or something. You know, they they could go out and get a bigger name or re-sign Matt Chapman. Even he'll be a free agent next year. Yeah, I mean it would be interesting because Ryu comes off the books this next season. He's twenty million. Yep. So maybe they go and just sign Aaron Nola. I mean, who knows? Fits right in the uh, the pitching tier thing. But yep. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll go to the San Francisco Giants again. Should have threw this one up with uh, Hanniger. I just completely forgot this was down here, but that's that they signed Sean Manaya to a two-year, twenty-five million dollar deal, uh, which has an opt-out after this season. Yeah, I got I got some other names for you: Alex Cobb, Alex Wood, Tony DiSclefani. I mean, uh, Kevin Gossman when he was signed. I mean, they, these the Giants have done this for the last two or three years, and ever since Zaidi's been there. They've gone out. They've signed a couple guys like Sean Maniah's this year that have shown some talent in their careers, but are coming off bad seasons. Maybe aren't quite what they were thought to be, or, or once were, or but they feel like they can unlock something again, and they've been very successful with it. So I think that this could end up working out very well. The only thing about the Giants is that I don't know unless they are able to get there. There have been rumors about them still going after you know like Correa or, or one of the remaining big free agents. I don't know if Sean I is going to be able to put them over the top this year, and he's got an opt-out. So if you figure him out and fix him, then he'll just opt out. So, And you're probably not going to get a you know some kind of division out of him or anything or, or playoff berth. So you know maybe they are able to get Correa still. But this is a good signing for the Giants. They, they go out and get a guy who is a good reclamation project. So I think that it, it's what they've been doing, and I think it'll work out for them this time. I like Manaya. I think I think he's a good reclamation. I think he's a better reclamation than Matt Boyd and yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt Clevenger, who went for right around the same money. Yeah. So, you know, Manaya is definitely the kind of guy who can help that Giants rotation. But I didn't mention it when we talked about the Giants earlier. This that team is not set up particularly well. They are They're lacking a lot of areas. They're and not good. Correa is not going to fix that. I think it's pretty clear why we haven't seen Correa already go to the Giants, and that's that maybe he's waiting for a team with a little bit better prospects to go to go ahead and step up for him because he doesn't want to go lose again. Um, but 
you know, that, that Giants team is not good. Manaya is not changing that. You're you're doing a lot of hoping with that rotation. You're just like hope these guys don't all explode um, and be bad. So Correa, yeah, they, I was right. gonna say Correa is just waiting on that Braves press release to come out. Eight years, uh, hundred ten million dollars. God, yeah. uh, I was gonna say they they for the Giants they held on too long. Yeah, I yeah. mean they they should have sold off. What was it, twenty eighteen? Yep. I believe was the year they sort of should have sold off. They didn't do it because they wanted to compete. And then in 2021, they had that like magical season where everything went the right way for them. And they factored in like, Oh, Hey, this is just going to happen again. And then they lost Buster Posey. And then, you know, Crawford went back to Brandon Crawford and Brandon belt had a down year and it, it, they just held on too long. This is the depth signing and they, they do need to make big moves. You know, that's why they were potentially in on Aaron judge, Plus somebody else. I mean, right. there's a lot they have to do to be able to compete in that division. But uh, let's move over to the last move that we have so we can wrap this episode up. And it happened just right before we were starting to record. And that's that the Minnesota Twins signed catcher Christian Vasquez to a three-year, $30 million deal. Yeah, this is a good move. Um, the Twins had Gary Sanchez last year, who was famously not the best pitcher-catcher. Um, like, you know, and so... I, Christian Vasquez is kind of the quintessential pitcher catcher where he's going to always call a good game. He's going to be blocking it up, the ball up. He was a very coveted uh, name on the catcher market. And this payday, I think, is what Omar Narvaez's agents are going to take to the, the teams and get for him as well. So, um, you know, this is a, a strong move. I think it's a an extra year and maybe a few extra million than he was like projected for. But in the way this market is going, I think the Twins have kind of stolen themselves a, a guy who can hit for league average and be a really good defensive catcher. So, you know, I'd look for maybe Tyler Maley to take a step forward next year. Sonny Gray could take a step forward next year. Joe Ryan, maybe. Uh, just all because Christian Vasquez is going to be catching them instead of Gary Sanchez. So, Yeah, it's, uh, I agree. Uh, he's a good, good catcher. Good to see the Twins still trying to compete. There were there were some rumors that they were still trying to bring back Correa. I'd, I'd be shocked if that happens, but there were rumors that they were like going to shatter their all-time record for. For yeah. well, I mean, listen, I, I, I highly which, doubt it. But listen, man, well, hold on. The Twins' all-time record for a given out contract is Joe Mauer at 184 million. So, yeah, you don't have to shatter much in order to we're get right. To I'm Correa just saying, numbers, like, but. like there, people were talking about, like, basically they're talking about like doubling their all-time highest contract, which would be Correa. I mean. So what yeah. we're what we're seeing right now for those remaining shortstops is Giants, Twins, Cubs for Correa and Swanson. Yeah. And maybe Dodgers, maybe yeah. Red Sox. I guess it's maybe just, maybe Braves still for with Swanson involved, but probably Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to say. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's The hard Twins to say. The Twins certainly could, but you think they were talking about the Twins breaking their franchise record for an offer. Yeah. The Cubs franchise record for a free agent offer also it's 184 million. Say Jason, Jason Hayward. Hayward, yeah, yeah. So either one of those teams signing Carlos Correa would be blowing that out of the water. Right. I don't think it's really news that any offer to Correa blows the, the Twins' total free agent offer out of the water. But it's it's remarkable that some bigger market teams, Minneapolis and Chicago, are not small cities. You know, there's not small markets, and they they have not signed um, big deals I, yeah. like the rest of these I mean, teams. I don't think that. I don't think Minnesota is the biggest market. I mean, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Chicago. I think the issue with Chicago is that with the Cubs, they don't know. They know that the 
that the ownership's willing to spend this year and maybe next year, but they don't know if they're willing to spend four or five, six years down the road. So they're scared to put in a, put up a big contract and then, then like have to dump a bunch of salary in two years. I think that's kind of the issue there, like with the, with the owner, with the ownership and the GM. I think, I think the Cubs situation is a mess, honestly. I mean, but, it, but I don't know. You, you would be able to elaborate more. That's just me from the outside talking. So it's not. It, the the ownership for the Cubs is has given the GM the green light per all reports right now, and the GM right, has not acted. The so. key word is the key word is right now. He's given them the it's, green light, but yeah, they're, I they're think too the GM is gun shy. But. I think I was gonna say I think it's they're gun shy that in three years the ownership's gonna try to slash payroll again, and that you're gonna be stuck with. You know, it's going to be a mess again. I think that. So I think I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that the, I think the GM and the front office are gun shy that that's going to happen. It it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Then it, yeah. it's one of those where you're you're, you're signing a guy for twenty thirty million dollars, yeah. forty million dollars a year. That's not your whole payroll anyway. And the Cubs are losing eighty million yeah. off the books after the season. Yeah. So, well, you know, I'll say I'll say it, that uh, they could just go with a Dave Dombrowski strategy and say. F it, we're, I'm going to be retired by then anyways, so you can't fire me, and I'm going to spend tons of money on players who are going to be bad in five years and try to buy a World Series before I retire. Right. So. Yeah. Could give Jason Hayward $184 million and then just sign him to a minor league deal. Yeah. You know, could do that. One. Easy peasy. Cubs are paying him $23 million or something like that this year. Oh, and I the forgot. Yeah. Him the league average. A- I forgot yeah. this was still a year on the Cubs books too because they that, released that contract. Yeah. That contract was so bad that the Cubs are now scared to sign anyone to a long term yep. deal. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I think he's twenty two million and it wasn't even a the ba- league average. It wasn't even a bad contract. the 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 outcome is like first percentile of like yeah. what your expected outcomes would be for bad Jason luck. Hayward. A little bit of like bad luck. It would have been better if he had gotten hurt in twenty sixteen and never played over the length of the contract than what he did. Yep. yep. A little bit of it's poor foresight, and a little bit of it's bad luck. It's a little bit of both. It's oh just, yeah, no, the, the process yeah. was good. There's an article going around yeah. from 2016 that was like, the worst case scenario here is the Cubs make out like bandits because the, he hit what his he was expected, and that's a pessimistic outlook. And then yeah, the guy yeah. forgot how to hit, and yeah. you, you yeah. can't you can't like you can't figure that out in yeah. terms of these free agents, you know. So there's no way Carlos Correa or Dansby Swanson or Carlos Rodon or any of these remaining free agents are that bad. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> we'll just end it on that. Yeah, let's end it on that. I mean, <laughs> end it on that. yeah, but um, <laughs> you know, outside of the the big remaining free agents, it's really just Correa and Rodon. Um, so if any of if those two, either one of those two, sign them in, guess maybe you could throw Swanson in there. But um, you know, we'll come back next week with with an episode for that one. But if not, uh, I think we're looking at two weeks out. Sound good to you guys? Yep, most likely. But with the way well, things have been going, Christmas, it'll be. Isn't it? Yeah, the way things well, have been Christmas going, like a weekend. the way things have been going, uh, yeah, it's probably going to end up like having six free agent signings this week. So, yeah, I mean, we had six today yep. or something like that. There's going to dance. Swanson's going to sign. Willie Adams is going to get traded. You're going to have uh, Carlos Correa is going to sign. Like. Uh, the Cubs are going to trade Cody Bellinger back to the Dodgers. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode <laughs> of the Batflip Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs>